Doctor Who Pod Shop. Okay, well, let's do it. No, I <laughs> you know, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us. <laughs> <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science fiction television program with Louis Trapani. Hello. Ken Deep. Hello. James Norton. Hello. News. Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James. Uh, 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock from the Gallifrey Embassy and Outpost Gallifrey. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah. What blew that? I'm the Doctor, and who are you? And who are you? As records became CDs and notes became coins, the change from Baker to Davison held no barriers for Peter. I always liked playing Doctor Who as, as playing in the street, you know, when you're a kid, when you fantasise about saving the universe, and suddenly, you know, at the age of 29, whenever I, I started playing the part, you know, there I was, actually saving the universe every week. I came up with the idea for my outfit, which was my stripy trousers and sort of beige, nice, it was a vision in beige, really. Um, and I thought it looked rather silly until I saw Colin Baker's outfit. Which <laughs> way? Oh, I don't think it really matters. So I tried to draw on really the first two Doctors, mainly. A bit of John Pertwee, but really not Tom Baker, because I think he'd been so recent, and I really, I guess, did feel uh, that he, he would sort of take care of himself. But I wanted to bring bits of uh, William Hartnell and Patrick Troutman into it. Can you hear me? Open your mouth. You must drink this. Is this death? What's happened? Professor Jackage, newest stuff. Good old Jackage. Jackage? You got the bat's milk? Contains an anti-vesicant, I imagine. Interesting. Where is it? What? The bat's milk. Finished. Only enough for you. There must be something I can do. Tell me. Too late, Perry. Going soon. It's time to say goodbye. Don't give up. You can't leave me now. I might regenerate. I don't know. Feels different this time. What was it you always told me, Doctor? Brave heart? Must survive. Many of your enemies would delight in your death, Doctor. You're needed. You mustn't die, Doctor. Many of your enemies would delight in your death. You know that. You mustn't die, Doctor. You know that. Adric? You mustn't die, Doctor. No, my dear Doctor, you must die. Die, Doctor. Die, Doctor. Ha, 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 ha,
Carlos Gallifrey presents Doctor Who Pachock, episode 101, The Peter Davison Error. We're here on a live show. This is Louis Trapani, and joining me is Ken Deep. Hello, Ken. Hello, Louis. I'm live from the from the uh, the blowholes on the dark side of Androzani. Blowholes. Peter okay. <laughs> Hey, look, it's not often I get a chance to say the word blowhole on the podcast, so I'm going to take this opportunity. I, I would imagine it's not often. Okay. <laughs> well, also with us is is uh, West from the CIA podcast, our um, sister or, or brother podcast, if you will. How are you doing, West? I'm doing pretty well. How's everyone else? Everyone's, is, well, actually, uh, I, I'm batting a little cold and sore throat here, so if... Anyway, but I'm not going to let that affect the show. But welcome aboard, West, and glad to have you back on the show. I'm glad to be here, and I've got a cold myself. Oh, well, I, you didn't catch it from me. <laughs> and I believe West is broadcasting from the uh, the Eye of Orion. Is that uh, is that true? Yes, I'm actually in the Eye of Orion. It's quite <laughs> tranquil. <laughs> and I'm uh, broadcasting from the Zero Room, the ejected Zero Room. Okay, um, Jettison, I should say. Here. I had to choose between the Eye of Orion and Adric's bedroom, so I went to the Eye of Orion. <laughs> well, also with us is Dave, Dave Cooper in uh, Manchester, UK. Hello, Dave. Hi, Lewis. Hi, everyone. Hey, Dave. Uh, I, think, I think I'm broadcasting from uh, the swimsuit, swimsuit shop that uh, Perry got her <laughs> outfit from. <laughs> Oh, that's excellent, Dave. <laughs> I would expect nothing less. We're here, and we're talking about uh, the Fifth Doctor. This is, um, it's it's sort of um, serendipitous that we're here on this date talking about the Fifth Doctor, Peter Davison, because originally this show was scheduled two weeks ago, but we had to postpone it because both Ken and myself were um, on assignment, if you will. We were up in Massachusetts, and we were interviewing uh, Wendy Padbury for... Uh, episode 100, which is um, coming out before this one goes out on the main feeds. So, but it, it worked out in a way because um, now that it's um, two weeks later, the Children in Need special came out with um, Peter Davison guest starring in that. It brings back that whole Peter Davison error, and um, it, it's it's great to have that turnaround and. Um, for myself, um, I've just um, I, I'm kind of behind in the DVD watching, so I um, was trying to catch up a, a little with it. So it's um, it's interesting because I was just uh, this morning I was watching um, Hester Valver, which is um, Peter Davison's first story. Not his uh, Porter Doomsday was the first story that he made, but this was the first one that was transmitted. His regeneration story, and previously on DVD uh, again, I'm catching up. I had couple weeks ago watched robots so it was kind of weird seeing the bookends you know tom baker's first story tom, i just had seen um um Legopolis as well so having those bookends and then seeing peter davison's first on-screen appearance as the doctor just on the heels of his latest on-screen appearance as the doctor so it's um i don't know it's kind of weird but it's interesting nonetheless and uh, so we're going to be talking about peter davison's um doctor here and um, I, I, as everyone knows, um, everyone that's seen Peter Davison, um, at least some of his stories, 
And um, I think the intro that Dave, th thank you, Dave, for putting the intro together that we had, that uh, uh, little montage of audio that you heard in the beginning of the show had touched upon this, that when they had, um, basically when John Nathan Turner cast Peter Davison, they casted someone that was completely against type of what Tom Baker was, you know, really going on a drastic change of, you know, someone casting someone that was really nothing like um, Tom Baker, you know, as far as like his physical appearance goes. And, um, and Peter Davison took the role in his own direction, just like every other doctor did before him. And, um, and one of the, I, I remember when this was happening, I remember, in fact, the regeneration of Peter, da uh, uh, you know, the fourth doctor into the fifth doctor was uh, my first regeneration watching the, the series. And, um, and at the time, it was what many people experienced during their first regeneration. You know, you're, you're losing something that you're familiar with, which was the fourth doctor and that you've been watching for so many years. And, um, and all of a sudden there's someone else in, literally in his shoes. And it, so it's sort of like, well, you know, why is this person pretending to be the doctor? And where's, you know, the doctor that you know? So it's just, in one sense, it's a sense of loss, but in another sense, it's something exciting, something new, uh, because now it's a, a refreshment of the show, and um, and you don't know where it's going to go. And usually, those regeneration stories, the, the the doctor and also the actor himself is really playing, you know, trying to figure out where the role is going and and how to play it and all that. So, so it's all fresh and new, and it's, and it's sort of a um, an exciting time. And um, and I'm just going to keep this brief because I'm, I'm battling a bit of a sore throat. But um, one of the things I really enjoyed about what Peter Davison brought to the part, which um, he was the youngest actor cast to play the Doctor. I mean, every actor previously was um, at least over 40 when they got the role. And he, here he is, Peter Davison, an actor under 30 playing the part. It didn't affect me so much at the time because, you know, at the time I was well under 32. So, but... In hindsight, looking at it, you can see that uh, how his um, his youth, what his youth brought to the part, and but not only that was that all the other um, the the doctors previously to him have a very experienced quality to them, and Peter Davison brought that experience of being the doctor and living as long as he has lived and all that. But his youth also brought, and also Peter Davison himself, the actor, brought a sense of wonderment and. Sort of like when he was seeing things, it was almost as if he was seeing them for the first time. And, and you kind of, that, that was sort of contagious. You kind of caught that too, just um, in, in some of his enthusiasm when encountering situations sometimes. And, and I enjoyed that. And, um, and you kind of see that today with um, David Tennant. You know, he sometimes, you know, will tap upon that too. But we'll talk more about that later when we'll, you know, talk about the children in need special. But... Um, th those are just my initial comments, and I'm just going to hand it off to Ken now, and, and uh, let's hear his take on um, the Peter Davison era. Well, this Peter Davison era uh, episode was probably the one I was most looking forward to because I'm a huge Peter Davison fan. And uh, although I try to take the high road, the Louis Trapani road, many times when someone asks, who is your favorite doctor? And I use his answer, which is whichever one I'm watching at the time. But the, the honest truth is that my favorite doctor uh, is Peter Davison. And they always say that you, your favorite is usually your first doctor. Uh, I did have um, a few Tom Baker episodes when I first started watching the show and was trying to get a grasp on the show. 
I had a few, I would say maybe four stories uh, <coughs> prior to seeing Davison, but then the regeneration happened. And although being a new fan, it was very puzzling. I, I found myself very easily drawn in by Peter Davison and, and like Lewis said, uh, this youthful performance. And I actually had the benefit of seeing the five doctors um, very quickly in my Doctor Who experience. And although that can be very uh, that can be very confusing for a new fan, I did go out and research a little in the days before the internet. You had to go and find a book or a magazine or something that would help explain what the heck was going on, and I did. But that also that also added the depth of 20 years worth of the show. And then from that point on, as a Doctor Who fan, I knew that there was this rich history and there was so much going on. There was so much more to be appreciated in the show. I, I also credit uh, equally John Nathan Turner, as I do Peter Davison, for my becoming a Doctor Who fan. It's that um, the, the writers that he chose and the, the uniformity of the look, the TARDIS and the, um, the console to the, to the roundels, to, everything had... Um, a consistency under John Nathan Turner that I really appreciated. And then Davison's performance, which was, was wonderful. Uh, and, and his era uh, moves in so many different ways. I, I, he, none of the stories became overly long. They were all two-parters or four-parters. Um, they moved in a lot of different directions, anything from having old adversaries to inventing new ones. And the writing was was. Uh, very high watermark uh, in the quality of the writing during that era. And, and all those things combined make Davison my favorite. And so I speak, uh, you know, I just gush when it comes to Peter Davison. He's my favorite doctor. Uh, I love every single story. Uh, you'd be hard-pressed to really find an embarrassing dud in his era. Um, you may have had stories that were better or worse, ones that you liked more or less. But for the most part, there was no straight-up clunker in the mix. Um, and in my opinion, it's just just a wonderful era of Doctor Who. Uh, it was heading into the 20th anniversary in his era, which in itself created this enthusiasm for his time as the Doctor. They were, we were heading towards this, this grand special with all five Doctors to that point. Uh, and good, just straight-up good fun. I like the multi-companion stories. Uh, the return to that, again, when I first started watching the show, I didn't know that there was single companion stories. To me, it was the norm. Uh, but as I discovered more about the show, you, you come to realize that that was, a, that was a very special time in Doctor Who where you had um, multiple companions. And again, watching his era, if you just started with, with Davison, uh, the loss of Adric, uh, Tegan leaving and then coming back, I mean, these are, these are things that are... Uh, uh, in 1981, 82, 83, and in those, that time frame on American television, those kind of things didn't happen. We didn't have the things that we have uh, now where you have multiple storylines running and characters coming and going. Back then, it was something that was you, – you had it in, in Blake 7 and you had it in Doctor Who, and that was about it, uh, unless you were watching a soap opera. So all those things – for me, it just made the, the Doctor wonderful, and it, he's my favorite. And the era um, is, is really just fantastic. And I have to stop for a minute and, and talk a little bit about 
the other night, the Children in Need special where they did Time Crash. Uh, Maybe we should give a little spoiler warning for those that haven't seen it. I will give a, I'll give a spoiler warning right now. I'm going to talk about it um, for a few seconds without trying to give anything away. The Time Crash was uh, the only thing I, will, I have to give away in order to even talk about it is the fact that David Tennant, the 10th Doctor, and Peter Davison, the 5th Doctor, meet in the console room for a little mini-episode. And, it's, and I've, I posted this on our website. It's everything that's great about Doctor Who. It's everything that's great about being a Doctor Who fan, all encompassed in under eight minutes. Everything that makes the show special to each one of us that's listening right now was in that episode. The ability to... Uh, for, for, first off, for these characters to meet each other. And secondly, the, the lightheartedness in the way that you can do it, the play, the fun you can have in scripting something like that with little in-jokes uh, and, and, and a certain, a certain amount of not taking yourself too seriously. David Tennant, although portraying the Doctor in those eight minutes, is just as much being David Tennant in the story, gushing over the fact that his hero is right there on set with him and in costume and playing the doctor. And I felt like David Tennant. Tennant's performance drew me in because he was me at that very minute. My favorite doctor on the brand new set of Doctor Who. They're delivering lines and being funny and being everything that makes Peter Davison great. Yeah, it was uh, it, it, they really kind of it was a tribute to Doctor Who very much, and it, a, a tribute to Peter Davison's era. But it, it was um, it was very touching. I think it was um, you can see the passion and love of the makers that 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 created the Children in Need special uh, was very evident there. Yes, it had a nice uh, a nice pace to it with good humor. And a little bit for the fans with the little touches of continuity, things like, uh, you know, why does he look a little bit older or, you know, mentioning a character's name or something that's going on. Those kind of things are for for us, for the fanboys and girls. But then there's humor with things like Belgium and, and, and the glasses and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Dave, what, what's, what was your you, – you're in the U.K. What was um, – I'm assuming you saw the Children in Need special during the actual uh, Children in Need um, show itself. So um, what was your first take um, on this Children in Need special? Well, it was excellent. Um, it came on about quarter past eight in the evening. Um, it was right after John Barrowman had sung one of the songs from his new uh, CD that he's having come out and uh, along with the main host Terry Wogan he introduced the clip and he said to he said beforehand you know you're going to love it you're going to love it and as uh, Ken said um what he managed to get in that 8 minutes was absolutely brilliant um and just in case there are people on here that don't know there's also a, a little behind the scenes a sort of midi confidential which in actual fact runs about another 8 minutes on the making of it and um, if I can just talk about that a little bit because um, uh, apparently they filmed it on a Sunday and uh, Russell T Davies uh, who was talking said well you wouldn't normally see me on set on the Sunday but he said uh, I'm not um, 
I'm not a maker of Doctor Who today. I'm here as a fanboy. And and uh, all the other people on set, they were all grinning from ear to ear. They were reduced to, to, to fanboys for the day. And if I'll talk about the time question in a minute, but if anything else gives you hope that there might well be a multi-Doctor story uh, uh, given more of a, a green light, uh, this was it, because they were having so fun on set, and the chemistry was still there. Uh, what was great, um, again, trying not to be too spoilerish, um, was the way, I mean, it was very hard to believe. I mean, I know I'm a young-looking chap, but, I mean, Peter Davison was, uh, is he, mid-50s, and uh, he came on stage, admittedly, you know, a few pounds heavier, uh, but he had the energy, he had the, uh, the zap, the... Uh, you know, because I mean, as we all know, our tenth Doctor, what makes him um, so likable by the young people is his real energy and uh, uh, you know sheer life glow that comes out of him. And it would have been so easy for the fifth Doctor to have uh, looked tired against him, and he didn't. Uh, there was a, there was a real you must it must have been the energy on set because they were sparking off each other and. Um, there wasn't a wasted word in the dialogue. I mean, I'll have to say a few things. I mean, um, uh, for me, they, they cleared up the uh, the thing about the ship crashing into the TARDIS, which I'd uh, worried about an awful lot at the end of the last series. They, they gave an explanation for that. They gave an explanation as to uh, the Fifth Doctor's looks. Uh, they uh, managed to do a few nice exchanges, and uh, the fifth doctor, um, um, sorry, the tenth doctor said how 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 he'd taken some of his um, his traits from the fifth doctor. So I don't want to say any more because it will spoil it for people. But really, if you haven't seen it, you're listening to this later. Look it up. Uh, I've actually put links on the Gallifrey and Embassy site on the time crash thread. Uh, I put a little word there that I, uh, that I assume most of us loyal fans who watch that will make some sort of PayPal donation because, um, I mean, I have a recording of it myself, but I didn't put it up on YouTube because I, I didn't want to feel as though I was stealing from uh, the Pudsey charity fund or whatever. But, uh, but um, I did put a link up on the site for it. So there's the time crash itself was absolutely marvellous, and the behind-the-scenes one was great um, because um, there's all sorts of little um, bits and pieces there in that. I mean, um, David Tennant is absolutely thrilled to be with the Fifth Doctor. Uh, he, one comment he makes is he said that um, if my 11-year-old self could see me there on there in the TARDIS acting with the Fifth Doctor, he'd just melt with excitement. Absolutely brilliant. As Merlin's just put up on the, the text chat as well. Yeah, uh, it was a gem, an absolute gem. And uh, it made much better viewing than that uh, EastEnders uh, Dimensions in Time or whatever it was uh, from previous years. Don't so, mention that. Uh, I can either hand back now or I'll talk about my Fifth Doctor if you want. Uh, I don't know. You want to find out what West thought first? Well, I, I just wanted to just uh, just comment a little bit with what what you just said concerning uh, Peter Davison and the explanation, you know, of how he looks today, and they work out into it. And it's kind of um, interesting because really, since we last seen Peter Davison as the Doctor, it's pretty much a quarter of a century has gone by. So 
uh, Peter Davison was the youngest actor to play the part, and maybe because of that, you know, he was 29, so you have a 20-something, you know, person compared to, he must be, you know, obviously 50-something now, and um, so it, obviously there's going to be a big change there as, as far as appearances go, but um, it's interesting because uh, watching the documentaries of Peter Davison, um, like on the Castavalver DVD the, um, that he's done on the extras, and uh, he comments saying that he had wish he was older when he was given the part, and perhaps if he was, then it wouldn't have been that drastic a change. But it's um, but they did explain it very, and and it didn't really stop the show. I mean, it kept the momentum going, and uh, we should. I don't know if we mentioned earlier, but Graham Harper, uh, veteran Doctor Who, Doctor Who director, and also uh, Peter Davison mentioned it was uh, during his um, tenure as a Doctor. That was his favorite director, and the Caves of Androzani. Uh, you may recall he directed that, and um, he thought that was very well handled. Um, ha you know his directing style, and he really appreciated it. So, um, so I thought it was very uh, appropriate that Graham Harper was chosen to uh, direct the Children Need Special, as well as um, um, Stephen Moffat, who is an established uh, writer in the new series, was chosen to uh, write the episode. Um, we're gonna. Um, I'm gonna, Dave. I'm gonna give you back the. Uh, the floor, and you can talk more about Peter Davison. And we lost uh, Wes there. We're going to bring him right back. Right. Uh, well, uh, yes. I mean, uh, he had ups. I mean, I know uh, Ken just said that he was one of his first uh, regenerations. But f for people that had been watching earlier, uh, the idea of regeneration had had uh, been established a little bit. But working against that was the fact that, of course, Tom Baker had been in the role so long. I mean, uh, there must have been fans that have had started watching, and, and, and for them, it, it was as big a deal as it was for people like myself back with the first regeneration. And, of course, uh, my biggest problem with it was not the, the fact that it was a new dot coming. I just didn't understand the whole watcher element that they had um, leading up to that. That was where they had the mysterious... Um, undefined figure uh, that kept being seen from afar, and um, and then we hear, we hear Peter Day. Uh, well, the doctor saying this, the moment has been prepared for or something, and then the the, the watch emerges, uh, and through that uh, we get the transformation. Uh, but it was a complete change of direction. I mean, just quickly, I've noted that if you could call the the first doctor the the sort of grandfather figure. And maybe the second Doctor I would call more of a father figure, especially to Zoe and Jamie. I mean, that was we talked about that last last time. That was a, a marvellous, marvellous relationship. And very difficult to improve on that. Uh, with the third Doctor, he was more uh, like a rich relative or, um, you know, uh, the dandy of the family, uh, the, uh, the, the, the adventurer uncle that goes off uh, shooting uh, wildlife in Africa or whatever. Um, you know, the, the intrepid explorer with all these gadgets. And you could almost say Tom Baker was a more of a black sheep. He was a little bit, um, you know, uh, not a little bit on the edge, but he was a little bit playful with it. And uh, he was a bit more like the, the what y your uncle or your auntie would say, oh, he's the black sheep of the family. I was getting into scrapes. And um, Peter Davidson, as the fifth doctor, was more like the favourite uncle. He was he was the, the younger uncle that um, he had such a lovely manner uh, with the with the 
the companions. And of course, as Ken said, I mean, it was getting pretty crowded in the TARDIS at one time. But we had a marvellous mix. I mean, we had uh, the, the girls, Nyssa and Tegan, and of course, towards the end, uh, Perry. But we also had uh, Adric, who'd carried over from before. Um, we had Thurlow. Now, that was a first, wasn't it? Uh, somebody who was um, not a cuckoo in the nest, but somebody who um, was uh, from the, the Black Guardian and the White Guardian that come into some of the stories. His, his motives were very uh, uh, mixed, and he was in for himself and survival. And one or two times, the Doctor trusted him, but... Um, you know, we as a, we we as watchers were sort of thinking, no, 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 he's uh, you know uh, he's uh, he's plotting for against you. And of course, we had also um, the the robot, the chameleon, um, who was uh, yet another companion. So it was certainly getting crowded in there. Um, we had the the the, uh, the leaving of Tegan or the false leaving, and it was in fact uh, one of the things I was watching. Uh, what I was enjoying, actually, I was say preparing for today. I wasn't. I was watching it, and I was enjoying it. Uh, I watched two, two or three of the stories, but I, I was watching Time Flight, and and like Earthshock that I also watched. Um, I, I enjoyed them more, I think, than than when I watched them five or six years ago. I mean, Tegan leaving uh, in the uh, a second leaving, it was very tearful. I was very upset about that, and. Um, you know, there were there were so many different changes to it, and of course we had the the five Doctor story in Peter's reign, um, which was another of the landmark episodes that we had, um, and then of course uh, Perry joined in. I think it was Planet of Fire, uh, if I remember rightly, and that was the um, that was a really uh, nice story. I quite enjoyed that, and of course what he managed to do more than Tom Baker did, was to finish on a really high note, possibly, as lots of people think, uh, his best episode may be one of the top three stories of all Doctor Who's classic and new series, The yeah, Caves of Ad- Androzani. Which was... Um, absolutely, Ken, it, it, it was brilliant. So, um, I'd like to ch- chip in uh, later, but... Um, Yes, uh, he was. He was a really um, likable Doctor. I liked uh, lots of the story, Enlightenment, the Five Doctors, um, Warriors of the Deep. Lots of them. So uh, I think if we've got West back on board, uh, perhaps he wants to to make a contribution now. But I loved him. I thought it was great. <clears throat> Thanks. Take it away, West. I would have to say uh, I love Peter Davison. He was my first Doctor, actually. Um, PBS station here started out Doctor Who with um, the five Doctors, I guess, is a good introductory point. And then they went straight into Tom Baker. And, um, you know, I enjoyed Tom Baker a lot. And then um, when Peter Davison came on, it was like a whole fresh, youthful approach to the show. Um, I hadn't seen anything before Tom Baker at that point. And um, I don't know, I could just really get into Peter Davison's Doctor. He was a lot more brash to me. Um, he had a lot of problem with getting involved in things and almost not taking care of the situation. And a lot of times he didn't seem like he was actually in control or knew what was going on 100%. Um, that said, however, after viewing classic Doctors before Tom Baker, I noticed there's a lot of Troughton and the first Doctor in him. Um, 
he gets that little wise man look every once in a while that just, you know, he's, it's clicked in his head what's going on and he knows how to take care of it at that point. Um, but this week to prepare for this, I went back and watched quite a few. Of course, I had just gotten Time Flight and uh, Arc of Infinity in the mail, so of course I had to watch those. And I remember being a kid and watching Arc of Infinity, and I just watched it over and over again because it had all the Time Lord stuff going on in it, and it brought back Omega. And I just I'm, now I know why that episode's my favorite. It just <clears throat> it just clicks on so many levels and brings back Tegan in a somewhat plausible way and really the only thing in it that was detracting was the ergon but even that's not as bad as i remember when i was a kid um time flight's really good and i remember not liking it a whole lot when i was younger but once i've seen it more with an adult mind or as close to an adult mind as i can get at this point um it was a much better episode and made a lot more sense to me so um but i, I was sad to see him go when he went um you know, he, he's always been my doctor. And then when the, the Doctor Who DVD started coming out, I was just excited because the Five Doctors was one of the first ones that came out. And, of course, I snatched it right off the shelf, and I've probably worn it out since I got it. Um, and that's one I show a lot of people once they've seen the New Who. And I really have not met many people who don't like the New Who once they sit down and watch it. Then I show them the Five Doctors, and they're they're actually kind of interested in it. Um Davison's era had a lot more, um, like Ken said, well-crafted stories. Lots of good actors, guest actors. Plus, even watching it now does not seem as dated as watching, say, a Pertwee or a, or even Troughton episode. And um, I don't know why it is. When I watch Pertwee, just to get on a side note for a second, he seems really dated a lot. But if you go back to Troughton, it's not as dated to me. Um I guess maybe it's the black and white, and you can not see the sets as well. Um, Davison just, I don't know, just encompasses everything about Doctor Who and is able to bring a lot of the history of it into his performance, I think. And then seeing him the other night, just it, it almost made me well up at the end of it. But um, that's all I've got to say right now. Yeah, we have to say that the Children Eat special was just uh, two nights ago. It was the Friday the 16th of November, so... And uh, we're recording this um, on the 18th, so it's really fresh in our minds. So it's um, and it's like I said, that we're serendipitous that our rescheduling of this uh, live show on Peter Davison really, you know, fell on the heels of that. Um, I know. Can, can, can I interject one thing sure. that I just thought of? Did anyone notice when they were watching Time Crash that when Peter Davison came on the screen, the music changed to that synthesizer sound that that they had when he was on the show? It wasn't like the orchestral. It was more of a really? synthesizer. I'm going to have to yeah, pay if, closer attention to that. If you listen really? to the background music, it sounds very 80s. That's, um, that's interesting. I'm glad. Um, it's, it's, that's great that they, they went through that effort to do that. That's great. Uh, and somebody said uh, on one of their forums I was reading, but I didn't quite spot it, that when you see the, the this console uh, sort of going into a slight... Uh, out of focus, it goes slightly uh, more hexagonal for a moment, as though uh, the fifth doctor's t the console is merging with his with the tenth doctor's console. Really? Well, you know, if they, it's, it's just this is like a great testimony of what they could do if they were given a full story to do a multi-doctor story. 
you know, and I, it, it just whetted my appetite for that. And um, if they had the full budget and the full time, you know, 42 minutes to do or two episodes, that would be great. Uh, I know going back to like um, there was a Star Trek Next Generation episode where James Doohan uh, returns and they have um, they use the I think the it's been a while since I've seen it, but I believe they use the holodeck to recreate the original bridge. You know, and of course, um, they probably rebuilt a section of the bridge and the rest is all CG. So, I mean, if they had uh, the time and money, they could have, you know, had maybe like half the TARDIS, the, you know, the classic TARDIS and the other half, you know, tenants TARDIS or something like that. And, um, but this was for charity and uh, that's, and it's really, um, I think what Peter Davison brings to the, to this part in this small eight minute episode, mini episode really uh, fleshes out what's, you know, missing that, that, that could have been done, you know, with sets or props or whatever. But I think he fleshes it all out. It showed um, he could inhabit the uh, the costume and the persona, though, didn't it? It shows that um, it was not too much of a stretch to 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 feel as though, uh, especially with the explanation of his his slight physical change that uh, that the uh, tenth Doctor explains in the clip, uh, you know, and the chemistry of them both together on screen, and w- one wasn't completely overshadowed the other. They weren't fighting for you know, uh, I'm the Doctor now. The uh, you know the the I mean, when we saw in some of the earlier Doctor ones, I mean, the, obviously the way it was written was the, uh, a little bit of, um, you know, I'm the cleverest Doctor, you're the cleverest Doctor, the first Doctor's cleverer than all of the Doctors, where these two were, I'm not saying it was a mutual admiration society, but they were uh, they were both there. And there was one brilliant line that I suppose I shouldn't say it, so I won't, but uh, uh, when uh, the, the fifth Doctor's looking at the tenth Doctor, and he says... I know, I know what it is, and yes, go on, go on. I know what it, I know who you are. Go on, go on. I won't give the punchline, but it was so <laughs> brilliant. I mean, I fell out of the seat when the when the reply came. It was lovely. Yeah, lovely. that was a nice touch. I know Ken had mentioned this um, when he was speaking that uh, Peter Davison's era was not only just a new doctor, but it also ushered in a whole new uh, way of making Doctor Who and. Uh, I mean, of course, John Nathan Turner had taken over the part as uh, producer of the series uh, the season before with Tom Baker, and they did a lot. Uh, they changed the opening, they had new music, and uh, but now with Peter Davison, they really had a chance to kind of reshape what the series and, and, and shoot it off in another direction and, and bring it to, well, to the modern day back then, which was the 80s. It's... It's funny now because I remember at the time in the early 80s watching it and I'm like, you know, and seeing those opening credits and seeing how modern they were. And, and now you look back at it and like, like <laughs> they look dated. But at the time it was um, it, it ushered in a whole new um, whether you agree or disagree with some of the changes that that uh, John Nathan Turner did. I, I certainly didn't agree with all of them, but I think he did bring a lot to the series and um, some, you know, some improvements where. There was some consistency as far as like what the TARDIS looked like, the interior of the TARDIS, where uh, sometimes that wasn't so consistent in previous. Um, but that's okay because we know that TARDIS interior can change and has changed over time. You know, new desktop theme. <laughs> that was brilliant. Yeah. So it's um, but but, but again, um, just talking about the Peter Davison era because it's it's. Not just about Peter Davison, but we we're talking about that that whole span of his era as the Doctor, and um, I know that 
multi-companions um, sometimes is um, criticized and called a crowded TARDIS. And um, I, I have to say that Doctor Who started with a, quote, crowded TARDIS. So I really, you know, I, I you know, that criticism I don't really um, buy into as much. I, I think uh, having multiple companions to play with each other, uh, I mean, it depends on the writing and the story and, and, and the acting, of course, um, but it can help to progress the story when you have, you know, different companions interacting with each other instead of always interacting with the Doctor only. So uh, we had such a long stretch of Doctor Who before Peter Davison um, of just one companion. I think the last time we had, you know, we had um, for a brief time Ian Martyr who played, um, 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 I just lost his name. Harry Sullivan. Thank you, Harry Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, you had Harry Sullivan, Sarah Jane, and, um, you know, and, and the Doctor, and that was, like, probably the last time you had multiple, you know, if, unless you count K-9. That's probably the last time you really had multiple companions. But if you go back further, it's with uh, Patrick Troughton, um, you know, at, at one point had a complement of uh, people on the TARDIS as, you know, the TARDIS crew, if you will. Uh, but I, like I said, it's maybe it doesn't work all the time. But I, you know, I think um, if the companions are good, you know, characters and they bring something to the table that we haven't seen before, and um, so it's not always the repetitive. What is it, Doctor? What what is it, Doc? You know, help me, Doctor. You know, so it's not. It gives something more to the mix. So I think um, with Peter Davison's error, I I think that ensemble worked well. And um, I mean, I'm not saying it didn't have problems here and there, but for the most part, it it, um, it was trying something new and different. And I think that's what that era was doing, was pioneering um, a new destiny, a new direction for, for Doctor Who. And, um, and that's what the show does. It's constantly reinventing itself. It's, and, um, and, and that's what we saw with the Peter Davison era. It, it led the way for, um, obviously, for the Sixth Doctor and, and, and the Seventh Doctor, both produced by John Nathan Turner. So anything else with um, that, that people want to comment about? Well if, we're, well, if we're waiting for somebody else to put the name in the clue. Wait, uh, I should remind people. Thanks, Dave. Like Diana or somebody. Yeah. Uh, one of the things is, I mean, I mentioned at the end that uh, lots of people that thought that uh, the case of Anzara only was, was his best part. But, of course, the irony of that, uh, <laughs> the, the, the little... Uh, audio clip you played at the beginning and I, it, it, it was a little bit naughty of me because we're, we're talking about uh, his role as the Doctor and in the intro I had him dying off but the reason why I included that clip was because it had all those uh, voices that he's hearing as so often they, uh, they do when um, uh, you know something's happening to the Doctor uh, up on the screen comes his past life and his past companions um, and uh, uh, what's happening there? Well, um, not only <laughs> was it was he so good in Case Androzoni, but that final scene on the TARDIS floor, the poor fellow was acting his heart out, wasn't he? And uh, everybody's mind was just on what Perry was doing, who was uh, was uh, had him in her arms and was uh, trying to comfort him, and, and obviously she realised that he's. To her mind, she'd, she'd sacrificed herself by giving her the uh, the, the the last of the the bat's antidote. 
<laughs> and even in one of the confidentials, I mean, uh, I mean, he, he put a wry smile on it, but he was thinking there he was acting his heart way, and and all the young teenage lads were, were just watching Perry and a, a cleavage, <laughs> but um, it, it it was um, uh, a good, and of course, um, I'm not going to talk about it, but uh, then we had a complete switch um, in the final few seconds of that uh, adventure, but. Um, no, uh, I think that uh, lots of things that have been said, but I'm sure that the more people, I, I hope Merlin or Diane will come aboard. But um, you haven't really said that much yourself, Lewis. I know you're struggling with a with a cold, but um, yeah, I'm trying to keep, I'm trying sure to keep whatever it, I'm saying to a minimum because I'm um, off mic. I'm sniffling away and and, and trying to uh, deal with this uh, cold situation here, unfortunately, and, and a bit of a sore throat. Um, I, I do want to remind our listeners that you can participate in this live show. Please call in at 724-444-7444. And that's um, the Talk Shoe Live phone number. Our TalkCast ID number is 23358. So uh, you don't have to be um, registered as a Talk Show member, though we do encourage it. It is free. Uh, by doing so, you can do you can participate in the live chat and you can put yourself in the queue, and we know that you want to uh, participate that way. Otherwise, we sort of have to guess if you want to, you know, say something. Uh, once again, the number is 724-444-7444. Uh, please join us. Um, I want to throw something else up there, if I could. Sure. I feel like I'm on a, on a PBS pledge break. Please call in and donate <laughs> so you can hear more talk about. Um, I was going to say that another thing that happened during Davis's era that was kind of a big thing was that they brought back the master and they made him like a Sherlock Holmes Moriarty thing again, like they did with the third doctor. And he played a big part in a lot of Peter Davison's tenure. And, Absolutely. Um, you know, not to be spoilery, but his little comment about the master was great too. In, in, uh, the, in the children in need thing. special. Yes. But, you know, cool. That was just a character that had kind of fallen by the wayside, you know, and they brought him back a couple of times in Tom Baker, but, you know, he and Davison really played off each other really well. Of course, they had the great Anthony Ainley playing him, and, um, you know, the master would just show up at weird moments that you weren't really expecting, and Ainley was great because he always played characters in heavy makeup that you didn't realize was him, and they always gave him a fake name in the credits. That was always something to do with Anthony Ainley's name. And yeah. that was great. And then suddenly, boom, there's the master. And it's like, uh-oh, everything's going to go to crap now for five minutes. And the doctor will stop it. But um, just having that character back was just a breath of fresh air. Yeah, you know, and, and, then they, you know, and watching how well, they brought him back, because uh, I just recently watched the, that New Beginnings box set where, you know, we had uh, to keep our track in Legopolis and Costa Valver, you know, and I watched them, you know, back to back. Um, it was interesting seeing, you know, remembering how they kind of brought him back is very reminis- reminiscent on, well, spoiler alert, <laughs> on, on, on sort of what they did uh, recently in, the, in uh, the past series of the, the 2007 series, Series 3 of, of Doctor Who, uh, where, you know, you don't know, it's sort of Derek Jacobi, um char- uh, character, uh, you don't realize, you know, unless you've been following Doctor Who Pachak you don't realize who he is and it's sort of Anthony Enya's character in the Keeper Trap and, you know, at the time 
you know, you don't know who he is until you, he's taken over by the master. And um, the, the Jeffrey Beavers, decrepit master, takes over his body. And then, um, and now you start a whole new tradition that we haven't seen since the Pertwee era of having the master coming back as a reoccurring uh, villain for the Doctor. And um, so it really brought back that tradition that, that since we lost Roger Delgado, we haven't seen. And again, that was in the Peter Davidson era. And yeah, the master is totally evil because he's the only being in the universe that could trap someone like Adric in a Venetian blind and not let him out. <laughs> yeah. And his web. So um, yeah, the, the other things that, that related, to, you know, I mean, having like the Black Guardian and the White Guardian uh, and the, the the linking part that uh, where they had con well control of furlough in a way. Uh, was sort of a little bit of an echo of the keys to time with the fourth Doctor. And, and then you could argue, so I suppose, that the, the story, The Black Orchid, where it's almost a detective uh, story, uh, that's a little bit reminiscent of the, uh, the, the Y Chang uh, story in terms of, you know, um, I think we talked about this before, that... Um, there are some times when Doctor Who, um, it moves away from science fiction and goes into uh, this more uh, horror or fantasy or, um, I, I'm not sure, quite sure what the, the correct term is, but a gothic horror type of uh, story. And um, I, I quite like that. And of course, it, it meant that uh, we got Tegan and Nissa and, and, and some of those and that out of their... Uh, traditional costumes that they always seem to to wear. Uh, the only thing to be Adric that always seemed to be carrying, luckily carrying his gold star because that becomes um, the weapon of choice for the uh, Doctor. And that was one thing I, I was going to mention it and I'd forgotten earlier. Um, one of the criticisms in some of the Fifth Doctor stories was that there were a lot of... Uh, people killed off in them. It was quite bloodthirsty. And that was perhaps toned down with some of the later Doctors. And Ken has been very quiet. I'm sure he must have something to say about this because uh, we now talk a lot about, you know, uh, the Doctor trying anything but violence. He won't hold a gun. But Peter Davison uh, uh, does uh, quite a bit of uh, killing of uh, uh, Daleks and what have you in, in one or two of the stories. Ken, are you still on board? He's, yeah, he's he doesn't really, um, you know. It, it, there was a bit of a controversy when the the still of Davidson holding the gun in Earthshock was used as often as it was in magazines and some books. It was the cover of the Earthshock novel, uh, which you know gave this impression that the Doctor is wielding a gun, and and um, you know you look through many of of the stories in the rest of his era, and you don't really see that as much. I think that, you know, uh, it might... I, I don't consider his era to be a bloodthirsty era. I think, actually, it got worse during Colin, da uh, Colin Baker's first season. I think that was probably the, the most violent the show had ever been. Uh, but because I think the Davison violence um, suited the story. It was part of the story, the way in the early Tom Baker, in the Philip Hinchcliffe era of Tom Baker, um, violence was was necessary to the story. It wasn't gratuitous. And I think one of the criticisms of 
Colin Baker's first years and that the, the violence may have been gratuitous um, and, and, not, and, and didn't serve the story well. I've never felt that in Doctor Who that there was, uh, you know, a, a violence or, or the wielding of a gun. I mean, he, he turns around with the gun to defend himself and, and his companions, but never fires it and then puts it down. Um, unfortunately, like I said, they, that, that's the still they, they chose to use uh, for the cover of the, of the novelization, and, and that definitely does not represent Doctor Who or the Peter Davison era. And, uh, so I, 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 don't, I don't think it's justified to say that, you know, the Davison's era was, was a little more violent. It, it, it may have been, but no more or less so than, than our other eras. Um, and, and I have to also agree with West, the, the bringing back of the master was, was brilliant. You know, they, uh, different... Davison himself drew off Hartnell and, and Troughton, and Jonathan Turner drew off the Pertwee era in bringing uh, the Master back, you know, uh, and drawing off of Hartnell's early years with the multiple companion stories. So it was a nice blend of old and new, you know, at the same time reinvigorating the show, and as Lewis said, bringing it into the 80s and, and giving it a consistency and trying to polish it up a little bit. And, and uh, it was actually the start of the no more wobbly sets, um, what, what, we, what we now think of the modern show as being no longer the, the wobbly sets. There were no wobbly sets in, in the John Nathan Turner era until the budget got really tight. Um, but during Davison's era, for the most part, you look around, uh, some of the production design in that era it was fantastic for what they were given to work with. Yeah. Uh, one thing that did happen in Davidson's era that they have not been able to accomplish yet in the new series is that they killed the sonic screwdriver. Yes. Well, yeah, I was going to mention that too. That um, that was another thing that they 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 brought a lot of things from the past back, but then they also took away some of the established stuff as well. Um, I mean, before Peter Davidson even came in, they they got rid of K nine, and but even though he was only in one doctor, but the sonic screwdriver carried over since uh, Chowton. And, um, but, you know, it, I understand why they did that. They did that because, um, you know, he was using it, it was being, it was being relied on too much. And um, I think one of the down points of today's Doctor Who is that the sonic screwdriver is used maybe too, not that it's used too often, but it's, it's, it has too many purposes. It, it's like, it can, it can mix, it can blend, it can do your dishes it can um you know it does everything you know and um you know and because of it it gets abused too much you know so i'd rather have the doctor think his way out of situations more and come up with clever stuff than you know just grabbing the sonic screwdriver all the time or uh sonic lipstick lipstick as it is now with sarah jane yeah one thing ken didn't mention which i'm surprised that Although it wasn't one of the better stories, the, the Mordred Undead, if I'm right, I'm probably wrong, it didn't let Bridge Stewart come back into that one as well. So, yeah. The, oh, yeah. The, yet again, we had the, the Brigadier in with another, yet another Doctor. Oh, and always a favourite thing. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's almost a, something fans look forward to at this point, is how are we going to get the Doctor to meet the Brigadier? And I'm going to make my... I, I, you know I like to put on my amazing Kreskin hat from time to time and make, make uh, you know, bold predictions... I'm going to predict that um, that we're going to see the Brigadier in a Children in Need special at some point in order for him to meet one of the current doctors. Because I think it would be very difficult to write him into an episode the way they did with Sarah Jane 
in the new show and make an entire episode out of it with, at his age, no disrespect to Nicholas Courtney. It would be very difficult to make it believable. So how do you how do you get him to be in the story? Uh, how do you get him to meet one of the new doctors without it being with it being believable, with it being fun? And I think that's what was what's brilliant about this Children in Need special that we saw the other night. It was a way of having a multi-doctor story without having to figure it out to make it too canon, to to the, to worry about canon to the point of sucking the enjoyment out of the moment. And that's why it worked perfect you know, for me. If you want to consider it canon, you can. If you don't want to consider it canon, you don't. And, and I've been very outspoken about this canon stuff. To me, it's, it's, this is a TV show that we all enjoy. And it's these kind of moments that make Doctor Who special. And let's not worry about canon. I know there's some people on, on forums, on Doctor Who forums around the world that, that worry about such things. It, 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 quite honestly, it's, it's, uh, it's an exercise in futility. Just enjoy the show. Um, people are saying in the chat room that they think the Brigadier should beat the mysterious Scotsman from Torchwood 2. Mm. Yeah, I've heard that before. That's kind of funny. <laughs> it would make a lot of sense. Well, he, they should just... Yes, you almost feel that if he was somehow. in Doctor Who... Sorry, Liz. You no, feel I'm as though if that, he did he come back be... to the new Doctor Who... Mm-hmm. Agreed. Sorry, sorry, Liz, because you came in a little bit faint now. I'm sorry if I talked over you. Um, you. You feel as though it would almost have to be like a, a deathbed scene for the uh, Brigadier, and that's such a downer that I don't, I don't think we would want it. You know, it'd have to be sort of guarding some secret um, talisman or something from Gallifrey that that, that would uh, give the, the, the 10th Doctor away uh, or an inkling of an idea of how to um, bring them back into reality of something. But it would have to be virtually that sort of a scene. And although that would be a fine uh, springboard into such a story... Uh, the Brigadier deserves better than that, really. I mean, uh, he needs to go out with uh, f- five rounds rapid, doesn't he? I mean, he's just got to go yeah. out that way. Well, um, there was, thing... uh, there was you know, an idea during uh, McCoy's era and during Battlefield that they were going to kill the Brigadier off, and they felt that would have been too controversial and, and like Dave said, a downer. Um, I, I wouldn't be in favor of killing the Brigadier off. I would be in favor of a children in need like special where he has a few moments with the new doctor. People like us, old school fans could revel in the fact that he's there and enjoy those little funny moments that you could put together in something like this. But at the end of the day, he just makes his appearance and, and, and moves on. And it's not uh, a situation where um, Nicholas Courtney or the Brigadier is called upon to be something realistic in a full episode uh, of the new series. I don't think it's achievable at this point. I actually really like the way Big Finish handled him in Zagreus. I thought that was yeah. very well handled because he was there, but he wasn't there. So it, it you had, for fans, you had him there. You had Nicholas Courtney in the story. Uh, and that's, what, that's the way it, it could be achievable and believable at this point rather than have him you know, running around perhaps with a weapon and in a uniform. You know, that's something we haven't touched on yet at all, is the big finish audios of Peter Davison. Uh, Which are also wonderful. Fantastic in that, yes. Let, um, let, me, let me be the first to say about 
Peter Davison and the Big Finish audios, uh, one of the things that Peter Davison always spoke about in, in his first season as doctor in, in interviews or, or discussions with John Ethan Turner was that he, he felt he struggled a little bit with the command of being the doctor, the confidence. Uh, you know, he was, he was in, on the heels of Tom Baker, who was extraordinar- extraordinarily popular. He was the youngest actor to play the doctor, so he did have some, you um, may have had some insecurities about it. When you hear him now in the Big Finish audios and when we see him in Children in Need, he's a man who's a quarter of a century's worth of seasoning is the doctor. Yeah, absolutely. We, um, anything that we didn't like about the Peter Davison era, um, I, I mean, I, I know there's been criticism the as far as um, not so much the Peter <laughs> yeah, the Davison marker. But maybe to uh, the John Nathan Turner changes. Um, I know uh, Dave and I had spoken about this in the past about how the companions didn't seem to change their clothes, and everyone started wearing a uniform. It seemed, and um, and I think that's my little pet peeve as well. There's, um, um, you know, the first four stories they shot out of sequence, so it's understandable there that Tegan was in her stewardess outfit for. Um, for that length of time, but I think after that they should have been able to um, start changing things. They eventually did, but um, in the past we saw a greater diversity, especially like with the doctor's clothes. And even though they all had their look, they it changed about from you know from story to story. And um, here it was very consistent and almost like a uniform approach. And then there's those question marks as well. <laughs> so. Um, we still have, does anyone want to call in? We uh, give a last shout out for anyone that wants to chime in. 724-444-7444. Talkcast ID number is 23358. Um, Ken, is there anything that, that you would have done differently in the Peter Davison era? Well, I, I agree with, with the criticism about the, the um, companions and, and even the doctor having a uniform um, it, it took a while even for Colin Baker just to, after Davison, just to change his vest. Um, because I think, I think that it becomes unrealistic after a while to have the same thing. And especially, I know the, the, the actresses complained that, you know, the actresses want to be fashionable and, and look good and, and they wanted to change their clothes and being able to, you know, wear something a little bit different and, and have some fun, uh, you know, they're, they're actresses on television, they want to look their best. Um, that That's a legitimate criticism. And I think John Nathan Turner, w- while making a point about having a, a particular look or making it, uh, making something iconic, it would just, it didn't uh, balance out with being realistic. And for all the other things that he tried to achieve for realism with the show, that part is the one thing that was, was detracting. But from there, there's very few, very few things that I could say that I would criticize or say, oh, if they only did this, only did that. Remember, at the time, the, just about everything was controversial in one way or another because it was very different from what everybody was used to with Tom Baker. Hindsight allows us to say, well, yeah, that worked pretty well. But at the time, Jonathan Turner was criticized about changing the music, uh, about changing uh, the, the his first season he had Tom Baker 
change the costume and wear makeup and all the, many things at that time were, were changing. And hindsight allows us to say it all worked out for the best. But at the time, you go back and read some interviews or read um, critical analysis of Doctor Who stories from the early 80s, not everybody was on board with these changes. Yeah. We have a Fairport on um, calling in, so we're going to get him on board. Hello? You're on Hello. Dr. Podshock. Welcome back. Thanks, gentlemen. How's it going? Good. Cool. I want to keep it uh, fairly quick because you guys covered so much of what I wanted to say. Um, uh, Davidson is absolutely my doctor. Um, I was probably seven or eight at the time. So I'm trying to think of anything you haven't talked about. Well, uh, you know, once you have the Peter Davidson era, finally we can start talking about uh, the doctors who have um, been on Big Finish. And um, as much as I love the fifth doctor, I would have to say that he was probably the most, so far he's the most ill-served in terms of stories um, with the, you know, the big, with the big finish audios. Um, I do have two that I know that we, we talked about in the forum that I would love to recommend to anybody who hasn't tried it out. Um, one would certainly be Spare Parts and the other one being cir uh, Circular Time. I think I have that right. Um, but for some reason, I, and I don't, please disagree with me. Um, I, I often feel like that the fifth doctor on Big Finish has had some of the worst stories um, to contend with. Um, but um, anyway, that's actually the only thing I was going to bring up. I, everybody else said so much of what I already wanted to say. Yeah, that's understandable. Um, I, well, I agree that. That spare parts is probably his his best story on Big Finish, yeah, mostly because it is to the Cybermen what Genesis of the Daleks is to the Daleks. There's a there's a an attempt to thread the early years of the Cybermen together, and it's just a wonderful story. And I think if there's any limitations to what Big Finish can and can't do, uh, is the fact that Davison on audio is limited by where you can fit certain things in. As an example, most of the Peter Davison stories on Big Finish uh, are limited to Nyssa being the companion uh, because, you know, only recently did Janet Fielding agree to, to do a Big Finish. Uh, we haven't seen Matthew Waterhouse uh, available yet, and and even with Janet Fielding, I, I don't, I'm, I'm going to go by memory on this because I, I don't have her Big Finish stories. Uh, if Sarah Sutton is in those stories as well, I don't think that she is but maybe she's not mm, yeah yeah so so we we have a again we have a struggle where we can't do the whole well we'll also get matthew waterhouse as well and reconstruct his first season and, and fit something in there they're limited to because of that multi-companion era we're limited to where we can fit things in i don't think that's necessarily an obstruction to the story but certain dynamics cannot be used and and certain uh, certain things have to or or don't can and cannot happen where they fit in so obviously uh, the doctor and nissa cannot meet the daleks you know it's very difficult because his you know he meets the daleks in his last season and certain things like that their their hands are tied 
But I think where they write original stories, I think they do a wonderful job. And, uh, and, and there, I'm also in favor of having a few original stories as opposed to always having a big finish where a, a familiar baddie comes back. You don't necessarily have to have the Cybermen of the Daleks or the Master or somebody else in there that you're familiar with. I like it when there's a, a new adversary or somebody new, somebody fresh. Um, they do that. I'm not criticizing them for doing that, but I think that's that, that's where the Davison stuff comes in strong. But that may be why people don't consider the big his big finish stuff to be the most legendary stuff. Is that there are a few stories where it's they're standalones, mm-hmm. and maybe they get lost in the shuffle because it's not like wow they had that great Davro Davro story or remember the one when he had where the Silurians came back or. Something along those lines. I mean, that's if I had to defend it, that would be my. Well, I, I hate to throw myself farther into the fray, but the one thing I, I noticed when I was watching Time Crash is television, film, this is really Peter Davison's medium. Um, he's a subtle actor. Um, his gestures, when you watch him on the screen, are fabulous to watch, and that, that's part of what made him such a great doctor. When it yeah, comes to Big Finish, much of that is lost. He doesn't have the the big booming expressive voice that some of the other doctors have. Um, uh, love him or hate him, you know, uh, McCoy is very expressive um, in his big finish audios. It's just the nature of and his voice. And Colin Baker as well. Absolutely. I think Colin Baker really over, you know has overachieved in big finish. I I you know we'll we'll I'm sure talk about it during the next podcast, but. Um, my opinion of Colin Baker has nothing but improved since he started Big Finish. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of his era, but some of his stories on Big Finish are my favorite stories. And I trust me, I never thought I would be making that comment. Um, but with with Peter, it's you know his voice. It's it's it's. Um, I mean, granted, and it's changed over the years. So. You, Sometimes when you're listening to his, you know, his audios, it's a little jarring because you're like, this is the same, you know. But once I watched Time Crash, I I bought it completely, hook, line, sinker. I, um, you know, I, I, it's it's ten Tardis groans. It is, it is. I I wish I could see him come back. For that is the only disappointment I had in in all of those eight minutes was that there was not another you know, 40 minutes attached to it. Um, I, I want to see him come back. I, I don't know how they could ever make that work now um, uh, because a lot of the shock and the awe that, that came with the Children Need special is, is going to be gone. But uh, if there's one thing, if, if there's anybody who um, works in Doctor Who who has any of that kind of power is listening right now, bring Davison back. Bring him for an episode. Bring him for two episodes. Uh, you know, do an entire story arc. I don't care. I loved Time Crash so much, and and I, uh, it's it's just a shame that we only got eight minutes. Yeah, I agree. I I think it's a terrible um, asset that we're not you know utilizing by bringing back you know past actors. Um, it it doesn't even have to be a, a multi doc because I know Russell T Davies has expressed that he doesn't like to do multi doctor stories. It's not he's not a fan of those. But um, I mean every series uh, there's been a Doctor Light episode. So 
Um, I know a lot of people on our forums have suggested, well, why not get like Paul McGann back and um, and and do a Doctor like you know have him you know as a Doctor in that episode uh, as a flashback or something. Um, I'm sure they can work it in how that happens and um, and therefore you achieve you you get past this hurdle of having a Doctor Light episode and it's not Doctor Light anymore because you have a full fledged Doctor. Well, I I've said this before in the forum and I may have even said it um, in another podcast, but when you know they're kind of going on hiatus and there's only going to be those three specials, bring McCann back, have them fill out the rest of the year. Um, even take the old Lucy Miller episodes uh, from Big Finish or or the Charlie ones, and and just you know you already have scripts ready. Uh, McGann deserves another shot on screen. Uh, oh, absolutely. I, I think there's there's very few people now who would disagree with that, especially after listening to him on Big Finish. Um, but uh, I, as much as I love Russell T Davies, uh, he needs to get over the whole part about hating multi-doctor episodes got to get over it it's um if i'm not mistaken the and maybe you guys already mentioned this and forgive me uh, but the viewing figures was phenomenal for time crash if i'm not mistaken does anybody know the they were very high i, I don't i don't have the exact figures in front i of think me, it was t- so like 10.8 10. million or something yeah it was about, uh, yeah. over 10 and a half million viewers and it beat what everything else that week if I'm not mistaken, not just that night, but for the entire week, I I, I could be wrong. But uh, I think I the next it. highest rated program was only about two million. Okay. The next highest program was only two million. From what I read, the um, figures for the children of Eve went from like nine and a half to ten and a half, and then back down to nine and a half just for that one eight minutes. Well, I, I just, well, that has I to hope, say a lot. Exactly. I hope the producers um, and Russell T Davies, I. I Seriously, hope they they take that into consideration. And realize just how much people have been waiting for that moment, and and they 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 cherish it. I, I don't want to I don't want to wait until another anniversary for multi. Yeah, Jay, Jay. As well, I believe it, it was repeated at at twelve forty five, quarter to one in the morning, and over two million people watched it then. <laughs> oh, wow! Not, and not to mention, of course, the the downloads uh, from the from the BBC site. And again, to just repeat to anybody who came in late, there is a behind-the-scenes little, uh, well, another clip that's at least eight minutes as long, which is just as revealing to watch. And uh, seek that out if you haven't already found it. Dave, you mentioned the BBC site. Are they um, are they offering this on online? From the yeah, BBC I don't. Think, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think it's actually uh, region locked. This particular thing. Originally, uh, uh, it said it was going to be limited to the UK, but I've I've heard some people seeing it in the states. I didn't see it on the official site. Uh, I watched it on the, on the YouTube side, which you can also find it. Uh, Merlin's mentioning, I think it's on the Children in Need site. The, the yes, Children right, in Need. The, the official site links to the Children in Need site. I gotcha. So it's, I'm going to I'm going to bow out because unfortunately, Actually, I think we're going to wrap things up here anyway, Karen. We so yeah. uh, we have no Me other callers. Um, actually, can I make uh, before I, I I duck out as well? Um, can I make uh, one quick shout out to to anybody who's interested in the Davidson era? Absolutely. Um, I don't know who else listens to the Tin Dog podcast, but um, after listening to this podcast, zip over to his website. I believe it's tin uh, dog co uk. He he's been doing what would be a, a great uh, companion piece to any of these these episodes that we've been listening to. 
Um, he does an amazing uh, podcast on the Peter Davison era. Um, a great wrap-up. For anybody who's not well acquainted with Davison, or even if you are, I, I strongly suggest going and listening to it. Yeah, we, we second that. Um, we're, uh, Tim Dog, the, the host, Michael, has been on our show many times, and uh, he does a great show, and uh, you know we absolutely um, encourage people to check it out. And, um, yeah, and Wes, did you want to give a plug to um, CIA? Yeah, um, we're going to have a CIA at 3 o'clock Eastern time, which is, I guess, about 20 minutes from now. And our topic today is favorite Doctor Who villains. So if anybody wants to come over, I think our number is 30659. Um, I could be wrong. <laughs> but I would also like to say one more thing that no one else has mentioned. But today, uh, just to say for next week, happy birthday, Doctor Who, because next week is its birthday. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's uh, Friday after this recording is uh, the 23rd. All right. Uh, Wes, it's, um, it's 30659. I got it right. Woo! Anyway. All right. Well, we're going to wrap things up here. I want to thank everyone for participating. It's been a great show. And um, despite me battling this little cold I got here, uh, I want to thank everyone on board. So um, any final comments? It's now is the time. Otherwise, we're going to wrap things up and send this one off to bed. Okay, bedtime it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. Take care. been listening to Doctor Who Podshock by the fan run GallifreyandEmbassy.org and presented by Outpost Gallifrey. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Come back next week for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Podshock. You can email us at feedback at podshock.net Something very peculiar is going on in the TARDIS.